Anyways, I walked into the program probably about 10 years ago. And how I walked into the program was via the ER, the emergency room. My husband had to bring me in. Um, I weighed 78 pounds. I was on the verge of a heart attack and the death of my marriage. Uh, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. And as I'm sitting in this emergency room, having all these people saying to me, are you trying to commit suicide, Lisa? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to kill yourself? What seems to be the problem? I didn't want to talk to these people. I didn't want to say a word because I didn't even know why I was there at the moment. And my physician walked in and he said, Lisa, you're on a death wish. And I need you to stop it. And if you don't stop it, you're going to be dead. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is this guy saying? He says, the first thing that you're going to do is I'm sending you to a psychiatrist. And it's going to cost you, kid, 500 bucks to see this guy, $500. So I'm thinking to myself, what could this person possibly do for me? And it's going to cost me $500. I didn't want to talk to a, a therapist because, you see, I'm a codependent. And I will talk a little bit about my story and how I grew up. And I didn't want to tell anybody my story and who I was. And I was afraid. I was afraid of what he was going to say to me and, and what he wanted to hear from me. And I walked into the office, and I'm anticipating walking into this room that's very dark and dismal with a couch and a big desk. And instead, this gentleman came out from a side door. He sat down, and the first thing I noticed, because I'm an Italian girl, is his Italian shoes. He's got these really nice Italian shoes and these socks on. And he was very personable. And for some reason, I could open up to this gentleman and tell him my story of things that had happened to me. He said, first of all, Lisa, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on a drug that's called Seroquel. I'm like, a drug? I don't want to be on a drug. I don't need a drug, and I'm not taking a drug, and you can't make me take this drug. So my attitude was extremely negative. And in the end of our conversation, he said to me, Lisa, don't become codependent on your husband. Didn't quite understand what he was talking about. He goes, well, I'm not done with you yet. So off you go to a therapist. I sat with this woman once again, and I'm thinking, I really don't want to do this. I don't have a problem. If they would stop doing their shit, I would be perfectly fine, which, of course, that didn't change. She said, Lisa, I want you to look at a book. And this book is called It Didn't Start With You. And I'm thinking, it didn't start with you. What do you mean it didn't start with me? So I took the book home and I proceeded to read it. And, you know, it's not like this happy-go-lucky, joyous type book. It's pretty deep. And it talks about your parents and how you grew up and your root structure I didn't know my root structure. All I knew is that my physician said, you either knock it off or you're going to die. And what are you going to do next, Lisa? And I didn't know what to do. So what I did is she had recommended that you go to a 12-step program. And I'm thinking a 12-step program. Why do I want to do that? So I listened to all their directions because I wanted to get better because I was very sick. And my husband was genuinely concerned about my well-being because I was not in a good shape. I was so skinny that I looked like a heroin addict. It, I was horrifyingly skinny. And I didn't realize that I was starting to shut down my organs. You know, not really something that I wanted to do. 
So I went to an in-person meeting and I sat there and I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable at all. I didn't want anything to do with these people. And it was a very, very small group. There was only six women in the bottom of a basement church. And I didn't feel comfortable. And they were very angry. They were very resentful. They hated their husbands. They hated every relationship. And I'm thinking, why in heaven's name am I in this group with these people? But I didn't want to give up because I didn't want to die, in all honesty. And I, I was on the verge of that. So I continue to go to meetings and I continue to go to meetings, different meetings, different places. And when I went to CODA, I wasn't going to go anywhere near me because I didn't want anybody to know that I had a problem. Because you see, I never thought that I had a problem. So then when I really stood back and I read the literature, I was shocked in the CODA book what it had to say. I was so totally shocked. I didn't think that this person was me. But it was me, because when my parents first got together, very beautiful people. Um, my father's family came from Italy. My uh, family did not speak a word of English, and I did not understand Italian, so that was kind of interesting. My dad was 17 years old, and he was in a prearranged Italian marriage, because that's what they do in the old country. They pick you a wife. My father wasn't going to have any part of that. So at 17, he decided to join the United States Marine Corps. So lo and behold, on the other side of my family, my mother, my mother was a hosiery model for ladies' stockings when she was 16 years old, which back then was considered very risky. And she wanted to travel and see the world. She also joined the Marine Corps. So as time went along, the, the two of them met, and they were both working with the MPs and the Secret Service. So there's a lot of stuff and a lot of my history that I don't know about. But my parents were military, and they had this dream. They had this beautiful dream of how they're going to have 10 kids. They're going to live in the perfect house, the, the cat and the dog. And they started to work on this as my father was being deployed once again back out to Vietnam, because this was, you know, during the Vietnam era that all of this stuff was going on. And my mother kept trying to get pregnant, and time after time after time, it wouldn't work for her because she took a drug that was called dilithamide or dipesterol. And what that drug did is the drug caused cancer, I'm not only for myself, for my brother too. They didn't know that back then. And my mother and father lost eight other children. And my brother is no longer alive today. So how did my story begin of codependency? It began because I was living on the Marine Corps base. And every day, my brother and I would wait for my dad to arrive. Maybe he's going to come back because he was a very highly decorated United States Marine with all the awards and the accolades and everything. And we couldn't wait for him to come back. But of course he didn't. We really saw him. But when he did come back or was about to come back, my mother got a phone call from my father. And he was in Vietnam and it was very hard to hear the conversation. And he had told my mother that he's having heart troubles again and he had recently had another heart attack. So my father said, I'm not leaving my troops, Doris. 
my mother knew that, and she knew that maybe things weren't going to be okay. He didn't leave his troops. Well, they forced him to leave Vietnam. He came back to the United States, and he got rushed into the ER, and he was coding. And what ended up happening to my father was, um, sorry, I'm going to start to cry. Uh, my father went brain dead for seven minutes. So they came out and they said that my uh, father was brain dead and that my mother had absolutely no choice but to put him in a mental institution. And my mother's like, I'm not doing that. You don't understand. You know, this is my husband. These are my small children. She didn't know what to do. So she took both my older brother and I to the mental hospital. And it was the most craziest, insane thing you ever saw or heard in your life, you'd hear yelling and screaming and people going absolutely and quickly insane. And my mother said, you know what? He's not staying here. He's coming home and he's staying with me. Well, that went on for 15 years. My dad was a vegetable. My dad didn't know who he was. He didn't know who we were. And he was fucking crazy. Okay. He was absolutely fucking and quickly crazy. And um, I was ashamed of it. I was very ashamed of it to school because I didn't want anybody to know that the man that I loved, the man that I desired, um, was crazy. So I would hide in school. And my very first escape was coloring, believe it or not. <laughs> because if I could just sit there and color, I didn't have to worry that you're going to say something to me. That you're going to say that my father's a freak. And I lived like that for a long time. And then after the coloring came the marijuana, which, of course, I love the marijuana because I could escape to any level of insanity at any point. And that actually was when I met my husband. And I was pretty fucked up when I met my husband. And we're standing outside an open campus, and I was a year older than him, and had a cigarette in one hand and a joint in the other because that was normally my M.O. And didn't see my husband for, you know, many years. We went off with our lives. and. You know, it was becoming time for my brother to graduate high school. And we were excited about that. And it was just around Christmas time. And it was Christmas Eve. And my father was standing in front of the Christmas tree, and I was supposed to babysit. And he was doing something really stupid and lame, which was pretty typical of my dad. We didn't know if he was going to fucking kill us or if he was going to say something lame or stupid. So I said to my father, I wish you'd drop dead. Uh, lo and behold, my father did drop dead right in front of me. That was tough. That was hard. That was insane. And then six weeks later, my brother went to the doctors because my brother and I decided we need a new life. We need a new beginning. We need to be kids because we didn't know how to be kids. We knew how to be each other's best friends and sit in hospitals and color, but we didn't know how to be people. And the doctor came out and he said, Michael, I need you to call your mother. Your mother's going to have to come. So once again, we go, we're sitting in the doctor's office. The doctor says, Michael, you need to go home and write your will because you got granulosis leukemia and you're going to die. My mother was like, no, my son, anything but my son. 
So my mother started to become a true codependent. And she began to isolate because she didn't want to deal with those problems. She didn't want to realize that her son could possibly die. So I became the parent. No matter what my brother needed, no matter what my brother wanted, I did. To an extreme, deranged thought process. And for 15 years, my brother stayed in this dreaded, awful, crappy hospital, day in, day out, doing all kinds of experimental chemo. And he felt like a rat. My brother had signed a piece of paper saying that they could do whatever they needed to do to keep him alive. And I kind of regret that because I miss my brother. And um, my brother's gone now. But what I was doing when Michael was sick is when I wasn't with Michael and I wasn't working, I was drinking. And that's what I did. That was my answer to everything because if I just drink, it's going to solve all my problems. And I became a workaholic. And I worked a, a, a fabulous, a fabulous job that I worked at for over I got to meet movie stars. I got to travel internationally. It was the dream job, but it was an escape. It was escape of the mask of illusion. And that's the illusion that I lived under. I would work every day, flow all the time. <laughs> My life was just utter chaos. And I couldn't find myself, and I didn't know who, how to be myself until I became utterly codependent. Again, more drinking came into play. More sex came into play. Gambling came into play. There wasn't anything that didn't come into play because I would do absolutely anything to stop the pain that was in me. And I didn't know that I was codependent. I thought I was just like everyone else, but I had a big, fat, lying secret behind me. I lied to everybody about everything that had anything to do with my life because I was ashamed. I was ashamed of so many different things. I was ashamed of my father's actions and behaviors. I was ashamed that I was a 17-year-old kid having a radical hysterectomy being told, you can't have children because your mother took this drug. Meanwhile, watching my mother's face, thinking that she killed her own children, but she didn't. My mother was a, a very beautiful and special person. And I don't like talking about my story. I really don't. It, it makes me um, very sad. But I do know that what escape did to me. And what escape did to me is it destroyed me. And I just recently broke up with one of my most toxic relationships, which was cigarette smoking for me. And I smoked for over 55 years. And, of course, I didn't see that as a problem. I didn't see that until as a problem until last year. And I was at a Christmas party with my husband. And meanwhile, I spent a few years really working on our relationship, really working on what my part was in it. Because, boy, when I first got involved with these steps, I didn't want anything to do with these stupid steps. You know, step number one, admit that I'm powerless. Powerless? No, I'm not powerless. If they would stop their shit, I would be perfectly fine. Then number two, faith? Faith in what? Nothing has ever worked for me. Number three, finding the higher power, God. Well, as soon as I saw that word, I went off the deep end. Because I'm like, I am not doing a religious, crazy program. Number four? Couldn't wait for that one. That was my favorite step of them all. 
because I had a 162-page list about what I hated about my husband. But I didn't hate my husband. I always loved my husband. I hated myself. That's who I hated. And as I progressed through the program, I had a really hard time, you know, with it, that whole God thing. What is God? What does God mean to me? Uh, you know, for me, it was grace over drama. That's how I get, had to get past that word, grace over drama. That was my word that I had chosen. And I proceeded to go along, and things were proceeding to get better for me. And I was sponsoring, and seven sponsees, five grand sponsees. Things were going well. Things were going well for me in my marriage. But things were not going well for me in my health. Once again, here we go. So I go to the doctors. I had COVID twice, and I didn't think anything of it. It's just COVID. It's cold. And of course, of course, I'm going to continue to start, continue to smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke because cigarettes and coffee were the only two things that I really enjoyed. Okay. Those were my two addictions. And again, even being in the program, I was unwilling to let them go because you see, I'm the one in control. And when I let go of control, things become utter chaos. So he said to me, we've got a problem here, Lisa. Um, I need to put you on an oxygen tank. I'm like, an oxygen tank? Are you kidding me? And to me, that would have been the end of my life. That would have been the end of my life because I would have started drinking, um, LSD, cocaine. It never, it, nothing ever mattered to me. I was never loyal to any drug or addiction or affliction of any type. Sex, gambling, didn't matter. I would choose them all at any time. So I had to quit smoking, and he said, we have this one small chance for you, Lisa, and what we're going to try to do is we're going to put a valve in your lungs, and maybe you can breathe again. Well, guess what, guys? I have that valve in my lung, because I almost was not going to make it, and I'm here today, and I can only thank the program that I'm here today, because I had no faith, I didn't trust anybody, and I hated each and every one of you, because you see... In my book, you had the perfect life. I didn't. I just perpetually watch people die. And that would also include my mother. <laughs> it's kind of when my husband and I got together. My mother had Alzheimer's. Oh, I worked for this big, su successful company. I walked in the office one day and I said, I quit. They were shocked. I was the highest producer. I made the most amount of money. I had money to blow, money to spend. I had a great job, great career. I decided I needed to take care of mommy. That was my job. I need to control every situation to make her better. My level of insanity was to put her in a car and bring her to Florida because maybe that'll make her happy. Maybe my mother will smile. Maybe my mother will know my name. Maybe my mother will know who I was. And she didn't. For nine years, I isolated with her. And I also was a foster parent at that time because I'm so brilliant that I'm going to become a foster parent and I'm going to save all these kids. And I had to make a choice. The kids or my mom? The kids or my mom? That was a lot of guilt for me. It was a lot of horrible, shitty guilt, actually. And one night, a friend of mine called and said, Lisa, why don't you join us out for this cancer benefit for a friend of ours? And I really didn't want to go. I wanted nothing to do with it. 
And they said, can you just gather up some people that we went to school with? I'm thinking, my God, that was like 35, 40 years ago. I can't find these people. So a few of us got together and were in this function hall with our friend who was rapidly dying of cancer and just smiling and laughing. And my, my friends are sitting there and they're, they're hitting me in the elbow and they're going, hey, why don't you go out with Eldon? Good looking guy. He said, I don't want anything to do with Eldon. He slept with everybody. Well, that's the man I fell in love with. Absolutely the man I fell in love with. And he accepted me for who I was. That was pretty amazing. But I was destroying our relationship together because I was becoming such a martyr. And I was drinking more, smoking more pot, doing more cocaine, more cigarettes, more coffee. Didn't matter. All the craziness. So today, I have a loving and caring relationship with my husband. And he's got his own demons, too. But I will say right here, right now, if you believe in yourself enough, that you will make it through the program. And you will stop the insanity, because my life was nothing but insanity. And I thank you all. And it's hard for me to even talk about this. But know that I love you all. I appreciate you all. And I absolutely love this group, this meeting. And the reason why I say that is everybody's just okay. And we're all getting just okay together. So on that note, um, I will close. And the floor is open. You can ask me any questions about codependency or I can throw a question out to you. Whatever you would like. I'm honored just to be in this space. And this was hard for me to do. Thank you.